Hey everybody, Pastor Wayne here from Summit Church of Douglas County. Glad you're with us today. Lori was about to get in a conversation, but that's all right. I'll be with you in a second, Lori. Um, I want to give you the five-minute countdown. Merry Christmas and a soon Happy New Year. I want to invite you to come to our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We're going to be singing Christmas carols, doing a cookie exchange. So you've got special Christmas cookies you want to come. We're going to trade those off. I've got a giant gingerbread display that I always do. And I have a message called Why Jesus and talks about why Christmas. Why Christmas? Why Jesus at Christmas? And so be, make your plans to join us for that either in person or online. And if you want to share this link with a friend today as we get ready to do church, Pastor Wayne H. Everywhere. So I'm on Rumble, Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, Instagram, all those places. So this is your five-minute warning before church gets started. So grab your coffee, grab a Bible, grab a notebook and a, and a pen, invite a friend. We'll see you in five minutes for worship. Thank you. 
Christmas joy in the air, everybody. Glad you're here. Good that you came to this little country church today. And Jesus is here. That's the main thing. And we're glad you showed up. Let's open with prayer. Father, we worship you. We give you praise. We thank you for the Advent, this fourth week of Advent, Lord. That you came, and you lived, and you died, and you came back to life again. You're going to sit at the right hand of the Father, and you make intercession for us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. And we adore you. We worship you. We magnify you, God. You're the King of all kings. You're the Lord of all lords. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that you're the Lord.
Yes, we can see that wonders are still. 
Brother Tim, why don't you come bring us the one year Bible, my friend? Merry Christmas. It's almost here. Gotta love it. Best time of the year. I don't know about you guys, but definitely the best time of the year. Speaking of year, I'd like to throw this challenge out there for everyone to read the Bible, the whole Bible, in a year. If you don't have a Bible or don't have a one-year Bible, we've got plenty to, to get in your hands and uh, let you be the 80% that reads the whole Bible, not the 20% of Christians who don't know really what the whole Bible says. Uh, and on that note, this is uh, definitely a grateful time of year for all the things that we're blessed with, family, gifts, you name it, it's there. Uh, I'd like to share that there are Gratiwoods in the back. Uh, if anyone has someone that can, <laughs> thank you, uh, that can benefit by being more grateful, please feel free to take one, give it to them for Christmas, whatever it takes. We all need to be more grateful and reminded more often. So anyway, our, our verse today comes from Psalm 138, and I'm going to start at verse 6, which is the highlighted verse, and it says, Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Another promise, another promise straight from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Tim. Thank well, it's good to have Lily home. She's going to lead us in one year. Just let's sing as, as we sing how we listen.
joining us online glad you're here today if you want to partner with the ministry you can hit the donate button on facebook go to mysummitchurch.com or you can text to give open your texting app and text this number 303-625-9434 and enter the amount of your gift and press send whatever you give by text will go directly to the ministry you can also mail your gift to summit church 200 south wilcox street box 243 castle rock colorado 80104 
We're finishing our Revelation study today. So grab a refill on your coffee, grab a Bible notebook pen, and invite a friend. We're turning your Bible to Revelation chapter 19 today, and we're going to continue our study. today. Merry Christmas, as I said before. Merry Christmas. There's two people. Merry Christmas. Okay, there's more. Merry Christmas. Trying to get your attention. Hello. Okay. Everybody find your seats. Turn in your Bible with me to Revelation chapter 19. Last week, I forgot to do this illustration. I'm going to do it for you right now. Anybody, how many maybe got one of these at, under the tree years ago? Anybody oh, know what wow. this is? Yeah, it's, a it's a gyroscope. Check this out. So, you pull the string. If I can get get at the string here, All right? And once it's running, it just sits on that stand. And you can move that thing around, right? And you guys played with gyroscopes before? It holds its position no matter what's underneath it, right? That's how it works. And when does it fall over? When it stops spinning. I think a gyroscope is a great illustration for the arc of history and what God is doing with the earth. It's kind of interesting that the earth spins on an axis, right? Time is a clock. A clock is always spinning, right? How many know that time is winding down? <laughs> when we saw that, that statue at the front of the UN and showed you on the screen last week, it's pretty crazy. Like, it looks like time is winding down. When time winds down, that gyroscope is going to fall one way or the other, right? Jesus made this description. He said, when, when, the, when the sorting of the ages comes, the judgment of the ages comes, it's going to be like a shepherd. God will be like a shepherd. She says he's going to say to the sheep, go to, to my right, to the goats, go to my left. That there's these kingdoms that Daniel talks about. We've studied Daniel a little bit as we studied Revelation. The last final kingdom of Babylon is going to be a kingdom of iron and clay. How many of iron and clay don't mix, right? The ten toes of Nebuchadnezzar's statue the last world government is going to be a government that's loosely held together like iron and clay. You could say that there are sheep nations and goat nations, iron nations, <laughs> clay nations, right? There, there are those who are aligned with God and those who are against God. And that becomes even more clear the closer we get to the things that we're going to read about today in our study of Revelation chapter 19 through, <laughs> through 22. And uh, so I'm really excited to get into the study. I've got three different, three different leaders from you, and I'm going to read one and do some charts and explain a few things about what we're going to read, because some of it needs explanation. But I've titled this, this talk today, 
based on the last four chapters of the whole Bible. So if you turn to your Bible, you're at the back today, just before the maps, get there, you're, you're right there in your Bible. I'm calling it the beautiful end, the beautiful end. You know, you can have an ugly end, I think can end in a terrible way, but thankfully, we, we Christians, we've read the, the end of the book and we know that we win, right? So it's a beautiful ending. And um, so I'm going I'm to do some of the reading up front and then I'm going to do some teaching and explaining between chapters. So our first reader here this morning is going to be Lori as she reads Revelation 19. Let's hear it for Lori. Give her some encouragement. I'll adjust to your height here. Oh, thank you. you I'm vertically challenged. <laughs> All right, Revelations chapter 19, Songs of Victory in Heaven. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. His punishment, the great he punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immortality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out. Praise the Lord, the smoke from the city, that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and four living beings fell down and worshiped God, who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, amen, praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest. I heard again what sounded like a shout of the vast crowd, of the roar of a mighty ocean of waves, or the clash, the crash of a louder thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself she has been given the finest pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people and the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb and he added, these are true words that came from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for he is the essence of prophecy, is to give a clear witness for Jesus the rider on the white horse. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider, its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe, dipped in blood, and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. 
He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the, king, the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and their kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshiped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into a fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Thank you, Lord. Yes, most, most of us believe that that is a description of Armageddon, the final battle of humanity against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ himself coming as the conquering king um, to finally take his prize. Uh, all of the world belongs to him, right? We already know that it does belong to him, but we're a, we're a world under siege right now. And uh, we're the rebels in, 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 in this world that we're living in. As believers, we're in occupied territory and we're running a resistance program against the devil, amen? It's good. And so uh, there's much to say about those things. There's a, many of those things we've already said, talking about Armageddon in the past. We can also um, see lots of bloodshed. We, we talked about the blood of Christ and that uh, blood is such a powerful fig, uh, image or figure in the scriptures. And now we come to chapter 20, which talks about the thousand-year reign of Christ. And this is one that's going to, we're going to pull out some charts and some explanation and all that. So Al is going to come and read chapter 20. Come on, Al. Good morning. Good morning. So we can read along with me. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel then threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations any more until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them have been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead 
did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. The defeat of Satan. When the thousand years came to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the, on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The final judgment. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown in to the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. Yes, as usual, uh, lots of frightening reading in, in the book of Revelation, right? Interesting, scary, like I want to make sure my name's in the right book, make sure that that book, I want my name in that book. Can you keep it in that book, please? Yeah, there's my study Bible has this, it talks about insiders and outsiders. Let me just read it to you. So the Bible is a big book that covers everything from the beginning of the cosmos to the final scenes of heaven. It presents the drama of God's love for humanity and his efforts to redeem us. But the men and women in the story don't always cooperate with God's great plans. Uh, in an opening scene, Adam and Eve get dismissed from paradise in the Garden of Eden. And here in the closing scene, some men and women are found wanting when it comes time for God's final judgment. An angel is taking John on a guided tour. The apostle seems uh, sees the river of life that flows through the center of heaven, a place illuminated by the light of God and accompanied by the sounds of saints praising him. Meanwhile, there's a group of people who don't uh, get to enjoy heaven's glories. These are the dogs, quote unquote, or opponents of God who love to live a lie. Among these outcasts are sorcerers, murderers, idol worshipers, and the sexually immoral. I'll just pause right there. You know, a lot of, I've heard a lot of non-believers say to me, how can you believe a loving God would send people to hell? Well, have you, ever, have you ever heard of someone that's a rapist or a serial killer or a murderer or someone like a, a, a Saddam Hussein or an Adolf Hitler? Where's that guy supposed to go? He's supposed to go to heaven? 
That guy's supposed to have an eternal reward and just get all of his sins forgiven? No. No. So there's going to be a just judgment for sin. Can a little uh, extracurricular sex keep you out of heaven? Surely not, the, the modern mind would say. People uh, who've only slept around for a little shouldn't be uh, lumped in with the murderers and the idolaters. But God has placed a premium on sexual faithfulness from the beginning of human history. To us, sexual immorality may seem like a lightweight sin, but to God, on the other hand, any sin has the capacity to corrupt our souls and to pollute God's creation. So we think, well, you know, we weigh sins differently than God does, but God looks at it all and goes, it's all distasteful. We need the redeeming blood of Jesus. It's not through good behavior, it's through accepting what he's done. And then as disciples, walking after Christ, taking up our cross and trying to follow him. Amen? And we don't do that perfectly. There's only one who's perfect, and it ain't you and me. <laughs> it's Jesus, right? So we look at this millennial reign of, of Christ. What is this thousand years? I've got a chart here, Max. If you put it on the screen, hopefully you can see it where you are. I want to explain to you the three different views of millennialism, the three different approaches of the subject of the millennium. I'll tell you my personal belief as an evangelical, Bible-believing Christian. What is an evangelical, first of all? Well, an evangelical believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that the Bible is the Word of God, and that you must be born again. Right? Those are the three things that you have to be a Bible-believing Christian. So I'm an evangelical. I believe those things are essential. I'm not saved because I said enough Hail Marys or, or Our Fathers, or I didn't punish myself enough to earn the grace of God. No, grace is a free gift that I receive by faith. I don't earn it. So I'm an evangelical, okay? And here's what most, the evangelical view is what we call premillennialism. And so that's the, the first one there on, on the, the timeline. This approach, which is the main approach used in the commentary that I've been studying and using, it suggests that the present form of God's kingdom is rapidly approaching the glorious return of Christ, which will, will occur after a seven-year period of tribulation. With Christ's return, Satan will be bound in the abyss, and the first resurrection will occur. All the redeemed saints in heaven will return to the earth with Christ to reign with him for a literal 1,000 years. This millennial period will be characterized predominantly by peace, at least initially. And as the, the millennial period progresses, the earth will become repopulated with people who have free will. See, we will we'll already have entered our reward. We will rule and reign with Christ during the millennial period. We're not going to have free will once we've passed from death into eternal life. But those who are born within that time will have free will. Over time, people's self-confidence and pride will harden their hearts. God will lose, will lose Satan for a short time at the end of a thousand years. And Satan will make one last effort uh, to uh, war with God. God will strike Satan and all who have joined uh, to fight. And him with, he will fight him with a fire that devours them. God will throw Satan into the lake of burning sulfur to be tormented eternally. This is followed by the white throne judgment and a second resurrection of the millennial aged saints. Finally, God will establish a new heaven and a new earth where he will dwell with his people forever. So that's, that's I believe, the, the most sane, literalist view of these prophetic um, readings. We talked about the different ways of interpreting scripture. 
I don't believe in dual fulfillment. I believe that there's each scripture has a meaning, and I don't impose my meaning onto it. I let the, the scripture interpret scripture and speak for itself. So a lot of people will try to allegorize or spiritualize or like, well, that's what it means to me. Well, it doesn't matter what it means to you. It matters what God intended by revealing the scripture to you. You don't get to put your own meaning on it, okay? That makes sense, everybody? And there are a lot of people doing that with the Bible, by the way. Like, oh, that's, I'm going to make it mean this. Hmm, nope. <laughs> you, don't get to, you don't get to impose your meaning on the scripture. So I'm a, I, am a, in, I am in uh, the top there. I'm a premillennialist. I believe that we're in a church age. There's going to be a rapture of the church. There's going to be a tribulation. There's going to be a, a millennial reign of Christ where Satan will be thrown into a, the, a bottomless pit for a thousand years. And Christ is going to set up his reign on the earth for a thousand years, a literal 1,000 years. And then Satan will be loosed for a time and everyone with the free will will have a choice whether to serve God or not. And sadly, many of them will not. They'll actually align themselves with the devil and that'll be the battle of the ages that'll, that'll end all time. So we'll talk about these other, uh, well, I'll, I'll share the other views too as well. Real quickly, um, amillennialism. What is ah or a, amillennialism? Well, when something is atypical, what does that mean? It's not typical. Right? <laughs> it's not it's not millennial. This this view really just says that the thousand years is figurative. And so here's the description. This approach suggests the amillennialism suggests that the millennium represents the current reign of the redeemed saints with Christ in heaven. So those who are in heaven in Christ, the the believers uh, there. It is thought that the present day form of God's kingdom will be followed by Christ's return, a general resurrection, and the final white throne judgment. After this, Christ will continue to reign over the perfect new heaven and new earth for an eternity. This approach, the thousand years, is figurative. It represents an eternal amount of time. Again, this is imposing a meaning I don't think that the text gives us permission for. It's saying, oh no, how many of you believe we're in the millennial reign of Christ right now? That the world is perfect and Jesus runs everything? Does it seem like it? Yeah. Just look at the news. Just look at the headlines. Seems like God is in charge right now. Doesn't seem that way to me. <laughs> and, and it's been a thousand years since Christ has come. So amillennialism is not a view that I would subscribe to, but some liberal theologians would ascribe to that. Some liberal denominations would, would say that's the view. The, the third view is called postmillennialism. This approach assumes that eventually the world will be Christianized. So it's in a future time. In other words, all the people of the world will accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. They will one day. So in, in other words, no one, eventually no one's going to go to hell anymore. This will result in a long period of peace called the millennium. This glorious period of time will be followed by Christ's second coming and the resurrection of the dead, the white throne judgment, the establishment of a new heaven and a new earth. Again, I think that's a, that's a fantasy because you look at how the world operates and people with free will today when they reject Christ, they reject him fully. And it's not like, oh, <laughs> you look at other places in the scripture. If scripture interprets scripture, he's not just going to give you a pass and go, oh, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> That's not how he treats sin. He deals with sin. And so I don't subscribe to post-millennialism, and I, I don't think you should either. Um, we're going to get into Revelation 21. Now we're getting into the good stuff. Sorry, Al. <laughs> Sorry, Lori, we made you read the hard ones. We're going to give a good passage here to Anne. Anne is going to read Revelation 21. Let's hear it for Anne, everybody. I have it here. 
and we'll just hope that my voice stays with us through this whole thing. Chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw the whole city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious, will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. And the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city held or had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick, to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. He then, then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones, inlaid with twelve precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth crypsophase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. 
I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yes. Hey, let's hear it for all of our readers during this series. We appreciate all of you doing that. I know it's, it can be nerve-wracking to read in front of groups of people. You've, you've all done a wonderful job. Um, so we come to, to chapter 22 here in a second. But I'm going to show you the chart of the millennial reign. I'm going to continue this here. As we talked about premillennial and postmillennialism, um, I make this note here in verse 21 of chapter 21, verse 27. It says, Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing will be allowed, nothing evil will be allowed to enter the city. You know what that means? It means we're going to get a backstage pass. We're going to get to go into the city, and many others will not. <laughs> we're going to get the the access that other, other people will not have. We're going to have a special relationship with Christ during, during the millennial reign. And chapter 22, and we'll finish it. Then the angel showed me a river with water, the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit within, with fresh, a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be any curse upon anything, for the thrones of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. And then the angel said to me, Everything that you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who inspires his prophets, has sent his angel to tell his servants what will, be, will happen soon. Jesus is coming. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brother, your brothers and the, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. And then he instructed me, do not seal up the pro prophetic words in this book, um, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. 
Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gate of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, and the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who's thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that is described in this book. He who is faithful, a faithful witness to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. That's the end of the book. That's the end of the book. Now, a lot of people go, what are you going to do now, Pastor? You taught the whole book. Are you going to do another book? There's no other book. There's no other book. So we just begin again. There's no other name. There's no other book. There's no other blood. There's no other truth. <laughs> right? Where, like Peter said to, to Jesus, when Jesus, they all left. He fed 5,000 people. And he says, I have a new teaching. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Like, whoa, 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 Jesus, whoa. Everyone starts to eat your flesh, drink your blood. We, we thought you were the free fish sandwich guy. No, 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 no. Everyone leaves except the disciples. And Jesus said, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, Lord, to whom will we go? You alone have the words of life. We're sticking with you. You're going to have to explain this eat my flesh, drink my blood though thing. That's a really, and he did, he did. That's what the communion table is all about, right? And so I want to talk about this issue of rapture. The it, the this, this the discussion of rapture does not appear much in the book of Revelation. It appears in other places in the Gospels and in the, the epistles. And there are different views of rapture. Let's put up that third chart here, Max. I want to briefly talk about the different views of rapture. And again, this is an issue where Christians can disagree. Even evangelicals disagree on these views of when is Jesus going to come back. Uh, I, I personally have been a pre-trib rapture guy most of my life. The denomination I grew up in always taught a pre-trib rapture. But a case could be made for a mid-trib rapture, like halfway through the seven years of tribulation. There could be the rapture then. Uh, uh, recently, I've heard a teaching about, you know, there's two parts to the rapture. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain, then we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That makes a, a case for a, two, a two-pronged rapture. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead and then a resurrection of the living. And we don't even know how much gap of time there's going to be. Some, some people just imagine it's going to be this and then that. Well, it could be this and it could be weeks and then that. Or it could be those who are dead in Christ rise at the beginning before the tribulation and we who are alive and remain are halfway through the tribulation. We don't know. We don't know. But here are the different views. 
we have the pre-trib, which is what I still kind of ascribe to. I believe that we're, we're in the church age now. We're in the church of grace. We're preaching the gospel of grace. We want people to come to salvation in Christ by faith, believing in him. And one day, there's going to be a trumpet blast heard worldwide, and every Christian, dead and alive, are going to be taken up to meet, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The partial rapture is more of kind of what I was speaking about, but it speaks of the tribulation saints. There's a case to be made in Revelation they're going to be believers on the earth during the reign of the Antichrist. That many people think that once the Christians are raptured, those who, who remain are like, oh no, those Christians were right. Now I have to live for God. Now I've read my Bible. I know they haven't been living for God, but they convert after the rapture. Those would be the tribulation saints. So, you know, those who are right with God are raptured at the beginning of the tribulation and the carnal Christians have to endure seven years of tribulation, most of them probably martyred. That's the kind of the second view, the partial rapture view. The mid-trip rapture I've kind of described already, where perhaps the Antichrist appears on the earth, he brings worldwide peace, no more wars, he creates a one-world government with ten regional authorities worldwide. We're getting closer now when you see the globalism of the world, one-world currency, digital currency, you can easily see one dictator trying to take charge of the whole world. We're not there yet, but we're getting closer, right? So it could be that that would happen. We get two and a half years in, or three and a half years into the, to the tribulation and we're raptured, we don't know. Or the post-trib rapture, the idea that all believers will not be raptured until just before the millennial reign. That we're gonna go through all the mess, all the garbage, it's all gonna be, we're all gonna be the rain falling on the just and the unjust alike, and honestly, there's a view for that too, because you think, had, did, did God spare the Christians in the past from persecution? Did he even spare his own son from being crucified and whipped and beaten and lied about? No. So if God didn't spare the early church, what makes, make, makes us think that he might spare us? We might have to suffer just as Jesus did. And if that's what we're called to do, then he'll give us the grace and strength to endure. We don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be terrified. But I, I personally believe that there will be a rapture. And, and um, I, I follow a Bible teacher named Jack Hibbs. If you ever see Jack Hibbs online, he says this. It's a, great, it's a great quote. He says, if Jesus doesn't come pretty soon, it won't be a surprise. <laughs> like, we're getting so close. It seems like any moment. Oh, yeah, of course he was coming. We knew that it was going to be any moment. But this teaching that Jesus says about rapture, there are Christians today who say the rapture is figurative. It's not going to be a literal event. I don't believe that. Here's, how I, here's where I come from in that. Matthew 24, verse 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So again, even Jesus didn't know. <laughs> and God didn't reveal that to his own Son. So for us to think that we could unravel the mystery is foolish. Because Jesus couldn't even pinpoint a time. It says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties, weddings right up to the time before Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two will be working together in the field, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day of your Lord's return. Understand this, 
that if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is the one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But when, but if, what the, if the servant is evil and thinks, oh, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's Jesus talking. So it's not like, oh, this is uh, some early church Christian who's just making it up. No, this is our Lord and Savior describing a rapture, a catching away of believers. So it's serious business. We have to decide, who are you going to serve? Are you gonna try to earn your way to God through religious activity? Or are you gonna trust in the grace of Christ? and get adopted into his family and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I don't understand all these things. And I know that it's not even my job to understand all things. It's my job just to be your son, to be your daughter, to trust you, to put just a, a simple childlike faith, knowing that you love me and that you're gonna take care of me, that you're never gonna leave me or forsake me. Amen. It's hard to do when you read stuff like this, though, isn't it? And it's hard to do when you read the headlines and you listen to the news. And you're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll wear. Your Father in heaven knows that you need these things. He's more than capable of taking care of you and me. Amen. Well, maybe you don't know the Lord or you haven't prayed the prayer to receive Christ by faith. You can do it right now. It's a simple prayer that I call sorry, thank you, please. It's just admitting that you're a sinner, that you need Christ to come in, to forgive you of your sin, and to take charge of your life, and then to walk as a disciple of his from this moment forward. You could be in the room or maybe online, and you haven't prayed that prayer. Maybe you prayed a prayer like that years ago, but you haven't been living with Christ as the Lord. You've still been King Me on the throne of your own life, telling God what to do or telling other people what to do. No, no, it's time to surrender. It's time to give up. It's time to say, God, take my life. You be in charge. If you're ready to do that today, would you just slip your hand up or give me the like or thumbs up and say, yeah, thank you, I need you. I need Christ. I need to commit my life to Christ. Or it's been a long time. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Very good, just give me the indicator there. Church, let's pray this prayer of commitment to Jesus. Say these words after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead according to the scriptures. Please come into my heart. Be my savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thanks for hanging in there with us on this Revelation study at Christmas time. I've never studied Revelation at Christmas before. I know it was a little weird. It was weird for me too, everybody, but we got through it. And um, praying, we're going to go into a season of prayer and fasting here in January. I would encourage you, as I, that's normally when I kind of just try to get the guidance from the Lord of what I should be teaching the church through in the next year. 
And um, so I encourage you to be a part of that. A few quick announcements before I let you go. We are going to have a Christmas Eve service right here at 5 p.m. And that'll be right when it's getting dark and dusky and we'll have real wax candles, everybody. You couldn't do that at the high school. Well, you can have open flames here and get crazy with our flames and sing great Christmas songs. I'm doing a message actually from one of our founders at the, the Alpha Course called Why Christmas is a Nikki Gumbel teaching, and you don't want to miss that. And then we're also doing our cookie exchange. In fact, if you like cookies like I like cookies, I've got a binder here that shows all my... Oh, here we go. If you want to see some of my gingerbread creations, you can just check that out. Some of you saw it already, but uh, check it out. I, I, every Christmas, I do a giant gingerbread display. And so this year, I've done the Denver skyline in gingerbread with a white chocolate moon popping out of the nighttime sky. It's, it's crazy. So bring your cookies on Christmas Eve. We're going to exchange them in the tins and all that stuff, and we'll have some carol singing, and it's going to be a really fun time. And then out, that also that, that particular service uh, sets the offering for our benevolence ministry. So if you want to be a part of help us, helping us feed people who are food insecure or people who need maybe gas cards because they get stranded, we keep some of those on hand because the church does get, we get phone calls fairly often for people who are in need or need emergency services. So you can be a part of partnering with us um, in the benevolence offering on that Christmas Eve as well. Um, so the dates are set for the 21 days of prayer. So if you want to mark your calendar for that, um, our, the church that helped us launch is called Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, and they are doing their online prayer services. They do an early morning prayer service. So if you go to churchofthehighlands.com and go to 21 Days of Prayer, you can watch their streaming morning prayer meetings. And um, we're, this year we're going to kind of do that in conjunction with them. It's January 9th through the 29th. That's the 21 days. I personally am going to be doing a daily prayer uh, Facebook Live every every night at 7.14. Many of you guys have seen me when I do it at nighttime, 7.14. I do that throughout the 21 days of prayer. And so um, if you'd like to be, you want to help me host some of those prayer services, you want to come over to the studio at the house or here at the church when I do some of those prayer meetings, I'd love to have you. When I give different prayer focuses, so if you have prayer needs or there's, Scott's put it on your heart to pray for a certain issue, I'd love to have you as a special guest during those prayer meetings throughout those 21 days. And many of us like to fast. So I'm gonna be doing um, some teaching on fasting on January 2nd, and then you'll hear from Chris Hodges on January 9th, talking about methods of prayer and fasting, especially if you've never done it before. You're like, how do I not eat? Or how do I, can I do a modified fast? Or could I just do a media fast? There's all different kinds of ways to fast. If you're gonna go into a strict fast, there are ways to ease yourself in and ease yourself out. And we want to make it easy for you if you've never done fasting before, do some special teaching in that as well. So that's probably enough for now. But uh, those are the announcements. Hope you can join us for, the, for Christmas Eve. Stand with me and I'll give you the blessing. Father, thank you for your word, the book of Revelation. Lord, as we look at the coming year and as we finish this Advent season and going into 2022, I pray that you'd guide us. Lord, you'd show us where you want us to go, what you want us to do. Bless the men and women of this church, Lord. Show them, Lord, the path that you have before them. Open doors before them that no man could shut. And Father, I pray just opportunity would come before us to be a blessing to the people around us. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift your countenance, and give you his peace. In Jesus' name.
Amen. I love you, church. Have a fantastic week. Merry Christmas. If you want to partner with the ministry, the offering box is in the back or hit the donate button online, everybody. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.